Eudaimonia is a Greek word and it means human flourishing. And when I opened our firm, I wanted something that meant something to me. And I wanted that it was representative, indicative of what was going to happen once the moment you crossed our threshold. When you step into our firm, step into our practice, you're not going to go out the same way you came back in. Mm-hmm. And as long as we can have signs of flourishing and moving toward your health and wellness goals, that's our goal. Are you burned out, overwhelmed, not managing stress well? Have you lost that fire for a profession that you loved? Are you a physician that trained over a decade for a career you now resent? I'm Dr. V, and I'm a burnout survivor. I call myself the Harriet Tubman of healthcare because I'm free and I'm coming back to get you so you can be free too. Let's move from fed up to fixing it. Although I'm a doctor, this does not make me your doctor. The information on the podcast, including opinions and recommendations, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of an appropriately qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Office Visits with Dr. V. I am your host, Dr. Benita Vernado, also known as Dr. V, and I am happy to share with you the burnout series. We are, gosh, we're morphing and moving through health and wellness, and burnout is something that we all deal with. I am highlighting physicians, but everybody deals with burnout. And what I hope will come out of this is that A, you'll know how to identify it, um, what it feels like, and then B, you'll have some tools or just even the courage to ask for help. And so I'm inviting folks on who potentially, well, we'll let Dr. Lorena White tell us if she was burned (laughs) out, but something wasn't right. And they did something about it. They went in another direction. And you all know my story. I was in that place for five years and there was, the Calvary wasn't coming to save me. And so I had to pull myself out. And so what I want you to glean from this episode is to listen to how Dr. White pulled herself out and made a new course for herself. And maybe you won't be stuck in that place for five years. So without further ado, I would like you all to... uh, Welcome, with a finger snap, Dr. Lorena White, OBGYN, and Reproductive Endocrinology Integrative Physician. Yes, welcome, Dr. White. Welcome, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. You are welcome. So look, I'm going to let you do your real intro, your real bio, because I think I I left out a few titles. I think I left out acupuncturist and herbalist. So for my listeners... uh, Who are you, Dr. White? Well, my name is Lorena White. I am an obstetrician gynecologist, reproductive endocrinologist by original trade. However, um, due to some degree of burnout and just misalignment or malalignment, Mm -hmm. I have become an integrated reproductive medicine and women's health specialist. I have opened my own firm and now I'm actually practicing the way I really thought I was going to be practicing Uh, when I originally thought I'd become a physician, a provider, and a practitioner. And so, um, yeah, burnout, it was not probably in the way that most people experience burnout, but it was definitely 
um, due to some misalignment, malalignment, and mm. just not on the path that I had originally set out for myself. Wow. I, I like the way you say misalignment. I think that sounds better than burned out. And, <laughs> and really, it's like because you're misaligned, then you get burned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I like that. I like that. That sounds soothing to my ears because if you're misaligned, you can just, you know, get back in line and you'll be fine. So you you said a few things there. You know, you mentioned what I thought I would be doing. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like at some point you were not on the path that you thought you were going to be on. So my question is, is how did you get off course? Well, I had the original you know, thought and theory that I wanted to be a physician. And, you know, years ago there weren't, you know, midwifery was not the thing that it is today. And I think going back, I go back and forth, would I have changed, would I have chosen midwifery? and I'm still not sure if I would have or not because there's still that surgical component that I love yeah. when, it, when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked being able to be a surgeon and a clinician at the same time. And that part was intriguing to me and exciting to me because I was great at both. I mean, I am great at both. And, you know, had this misconception of what I thought I was going to be doing every day when I went to work. And after a long time, I'd say probably well over 10 years, it was, I realized I was being a hormone dispenser, a painkiller, you know, pusher Mm. or a surgical tech. Like those are the only three tools I had in my toolbox, birth control pills, surgical intervention or pain medicine. And it works for things that and symptoms that there were other resources for but then I wasn't allowed to really discuss in a way that I could put it in their medical chart. And if I can't write it in your chart, there's due to or fear of right. um, you know, some type of retribution or punishment or you know, whatever, then I'm thinking that probably is not, this is not kind of the way I want it to be because now I know there are other things that are out there. I know there are other tools that are available, but I can't readily advocate for them in a way that I feel like I could and should, um, not just for my personal life, but also from things I've learned from my grandmother and my family that I, you know, used or that they employed when I was growing up. So I started to see things from a different light. And it was that's where the kind of misalignment started. I loved the work that I was doing. I just didn't love how I was doing it. And you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of where things were shifting because I love my clientele. I've always, I worked at a federally qualified health center to begin with because I wanted to serve. I wanted to be with the underserved. I wanted to be with indigenous and populations, places where, you know, healthcare it was not just under-resourced, but underserved. I wanted to be with those populations. I wanted to work with those populations so that I could go to work and know that I was making a difference. Seeing people who were not only not seen, but not heard, not no. valued in a medical system that is pretty much money-based. And I wanted to do more Ooh. than just make a salary. I Ooh. wanted to actually make a difference. <laughs> Wait, did you say money-based? What are you talking about? We take care of people. We are here to help. What you talking about money-based? Uh-huh. It's, I mean, <laughs> what is that? Um, well, when you add a pharmaceutical industry and pretty much every doctor's office you go in has a pan or a pad or something that has a pharmaceutical drug on it, 
they're getting a kickback from someplace. So yes, they're making money, you know, by seeing you, but insurance isn't reimbursing things that the, the way they used to. Mm-hmm. So there has mm-hmm. to be some other way to make up, you know, those salary differences. And this is a disease management system, no matter which way we want to look at it, and not a health management system That's or health care system. And so I didn't want to send, you know, clientele to get pharmaceutical drugs or, you know, pain medicine that was just going to mask symptoms, but not address them. And right. my whole philosophy is deal with what is underlying all that and knock out a couple symptoms at a time versus just chasing the pain or just chasing the X, Y, or Z and really figuring out why are all these things existing in the first place. Absolutely. Which that's why I love lifestyle medicine. It gets to the root yes. cause, um, which is really, and I think, you know, you you say it's a money-based system and yes, it is. And honestly, for the amount of money we spend in healthcare, we, we have horrible outcomes. I mean, we should horrible. be the healthiest country on the globe, um, just based on what we invest in healthcare, and we're not. Yeah. So I think that when you say misalignment, I think most physicians or anybody in the healthcare industry, you come in wanting to heal people and wanting to help, and right. and and band aids after a while just don't just don't cut it because you keep right. seeing the same people with the same issues, and you know. I'm not taking my medications or I couldn't afford mm-hmm. it. It's like the Band-Aid is, is not only does it not work, you know, some people don't have access to the Band-Aid. So, right, right. You've mentioned some things about the tools in your toolbox. And I think you have an amazing, like, origin story. I said, right. origin story, guys. <laughs> you, I, you know, I feel that people have a purpose. I know everybody has a purpose. They come here to to do something for the world. And I just don't think that that God plops you down in a family just happenstance and random. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about your childhood um, and what you learned from your grandmother that helped you become the, the provider, the healer that you are today. Well, well, healer is a big, a big uh, label. And I usually try to say I facilitate the healing. Only God can heal. All right. Um, and I'm just an instrument, a blessed instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and I help with the facilitation, but um, whether it be my hands, my knowledge, my education, those are all blessings. And I would not right. have them if we're not for the grace of God. But to answer your original question, wow, um, I was a migraine sufferer pretty much from as early as I can remember, even before I went to preschool. My mom had no clue what was going on. She immediately thought that I had a you know brain tumor or something because there was no reason that a a little girl before she even you know has been exposed to the ills of the world should be having literally debilitating pain headaches. And I couldn't even really articulate it. I would just cry and hold my head. And my mom was scared. She had me seeing all types of specialists and all types of things, and no one could find an answer. And their only answer was to put me on high doses of these pharmaceutical drugs. And my mom said, no, that's not going to happen. She's too young. And I don't know how this is going to affect her later on. Um, But if that's your only answer and you can't find anything, like you literally cannot find anything in her brain, in her skull, then we've got to, you know, do something else. And so I had a wonderful grandmother. I call her my first herbalist. And you know, she just she just knew and that was a woman who definitely had healing, uh, the healing touch, um, mm-hmm. healing hands and just a healing presence. 
And I remember going to her house and whenever I would go, uh, inevitably, I would have at least one migraine, either coming out of one, going into one or about wow. to have one. Wow. Um, because this wasn't a like a once a month thing. It was like a once a week occurrence that I would just have headaches that were un- unexplained. And so I would go to my grandma's house and she lived in North Carolina. And when she either I was having one or one was coming on when I was at her home. And she would just go out to the backyard and start picking twigs and leaves and roots and stems and just all kinds of things. And she would come in, make a poultice or brew something up on the stove um, and wrap my head, wrap my feet, my groin, my underarms. I'm trying to remember all the places and um, rub some stuff on my head. And literally, and I'm talking and it sounds, but I can remember like being just crying and being in tears. And then as soon as she would like wrap my body up, like before she could finish, the pain was gone, like gone, gone. And it was like, I could sleep. I mean, I was crying so much that I couldn't even go to sleep. I was, you know, that was my mom's other concern. She doesn't sleep because she's always in pain. And we all know during that time, you know, when you're not sleeping, that's the restorative time. And as a youngin, you know, you got to get that sleep time Mm -hmm. in because we're, you know, balls of energy, but I wasn't ever sleeping either. So it, I was a teeth grinder, all those things, um, just because I just, you know, between pain, just pain going in, in or go, coming out of these painful episodes. And she literally would wrap me up, poultice, take, you know, boil stuff up, have me drink some stuff. Wait, wait, you know wait. I mean? Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> okay, that's the second time you said poultice. I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. And the oh, second yeah. thing is, okay. For for me and our listeners, she's wrapping you. What is she wrapping you with, and and how is she incorporating the herbs with the wrap? She would start by if it was something that she was like a poultice first is like a, a pasty type of something. Think of like dry, almost dried glue, or like okay. something like not uh, thicker than gravy, but um, mm-hmm. but just something that was solid enough that you could spread. But she would spread it over my forehead on the soles of my feet, right around my arches, um, my underarms, and my groin. And then she would take, and again, not gauze, but like old rags, and like wrap my head with them, wrap my groin, not really my midsection, but literally in my, you know, that part where your lower abdominal area meets your upper thigh, Mm -hmm. um, my underarms, and then almost bind my feet. And by the time she got to the feet binding, I remember most of the time I was asleep. And I hadn't slept in, you know, days. Wow. Um, Some of the stuff would get super, super hot. I remember not so much that it was burning my skin, but I just started sweating. And I'm not talking like, you know, that kind of like that fever break, but I didn't have a fever. So I know that some of those toxins that were in my body from whether it be food or anything else, it was leaving my body and just kind of like getting that fever so that all those things could be released. And again, I didn't know what any of that kind of stuff was and neither did my mom. But she knew, and it just reminded me of the value of our connectedness to nature, which mm-hmm. she had. She was mm-hmm. a farmer. So she knew, you know, the cycle, the harvest cycle of things, when to plant things, when to harvest them, how to use the stems, the berries, the flowers, the leaves, like the roots, every aspect of a plant for certain medicinal uses. And while I didn't know it then and didn't value it then, when I got to where I am now, I'm thinking, you know, pharmaceutical medicine, the active ingredient, if you look on the back of anything, there's a genus species and that's a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's bypass that and get use the active ingredient 
and cut out all that other fluff and the stuff that causes all the other side effects. Side effects. Just of ingredient. And that's how I became an herbalist because I really did believe in the power of not just natural medicine, but plant medicine and using that active ingredient for healing. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, that just kind of gives me chills when I hear that, you know, I can see her going back to the backyard and picking and mm-hmm. I can see her in the kitchen, like boiling stuff. And, yes. and to know that, that she didn't have to have a prior authorization. She, she didn't, didn't have, have any schooling. Have, she didn't have no schooling. She didn't have nope. to have a hundred dollars. I mean, nope. like it was there available to her. And, you know, I believe that a, if you, if you put the right things in the body and do the right things for the body, it can heal itself. Maybe. But also if if there is a healing, God has put it, you know, within reach for mm-hmm. us. And um, so I love to hear those stories. And for my listeners, I really, you know, I'm a, I was trained as a, you know, traditional physician, but I have really started to expand my thought process and understand that, you know, herbalists are acupuncturists, like that is a, that is another tool and it is helpful. And it's not like, it's not voodoo. Like it's, it's right. real, it's real science. And so, yes. um, so let's get back to, you know, Dr. Lorena White, who is, yes. you know, I'm up here pushing pills and pushing hormones, but deep down we had that, that little herbalist, you know, that exposure to the herbalism. Is that yeah. herbalism? Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. exposure to herbalism at a very young age. And so I just feel like that was always potentially in the background, which is why right. you were comfortable with, you right. know, all of the pharmaceuticals. So yeah. tell us about after you made the real- realization, like this isn't it, I misaligned. What did you do from there? Well, I had, it was kind of all really disjointed. I pretty much knew after I left the, when I left the a federally qualified health center, it wasn't, again, the job, it was the people. And I felt like it wasn't us versus them, but I was always, the, or the people that looked like me were always the them. And no matter how many acronyms I had behind my name, no matter what schools I went to, I'm always going to be a them. And my thing is, but these are the people that I'm serving with. They look like my aunts, my uncles, my neighbors, mm. my cousins, my sister, yeah. you know, the, my family. And it was always like they were getting in the way. And my thing is, but that's who we're working for. And I had a really hard time continuing to serve. And it was hard because my thing is, if I leave, then who is going to appropriately manage? Who is going to take care of these people? But I found that the office politics and the day-to-day conversations and, you know, I was being, you know, punished for, you know, spending too much time with my patients and just a whole bunch of other just nonsensical, that stuff that didn't have to do with the work that I was doing, but pretty pretty much my presence in the office, that was getting in the way for me showing up in my whole self for the people that I wanted to serve. And so I realized I had to make a shift there, not in terms of doing something, a different job, but how I did my job. And right around that time, I had the opportunity to go to Cuba. Um, I lived in Cuba for six years. I lived in Haiti for two And that's where I started to really realize like, okay, I can do this and really learning how to formalize my training and just really being in an environment where like whole person health and care was built into the 
whole system. I mean, mm-hmm. not just the healthcare system, but it was like into the government. It was into the providers. Like everybody knew you have access um, and you're able to get the treatment that you need in a timely fashion. And there was no insurance. There was no none of these barriers to health that so many of us are experiencing, whether we're underinsured or not insured or um, there has to be a tier for this reimbursement. Oh, like there's oh, none of that. Oh, OK, so look, my mind is like blown. OK, right. yeah. so what when you say it was incorporated into the whole system, like, OK, and I hear you say there was no insurance, like none. what else does that look like when you say it's incorporated into the whole system? Um, what were they doing about, that we're not doing? Think about, you know, I mean, what our definition, the closest I can think of is like what our definition would be for universal health care. And I think even with universal health care, we probably still find a way to put insurance in there. But ima- I mean, I really imagine a system where the hospitals, whether they're privately or publicly funded, you can go to if the ones across the street or the one that's far away, you don't have to have any uh, what do they call pre-authorizations? There's no in-network, out-of-network. You want to go to a doctor, the one that's closest to your house, you go to. You don't, I mean, and the doctors live in your neighborhood. So like doctors are making wow. house calls. Wow. Um, that was another thing I enjoyed when I was there. I lived in the neighborhood where I worked. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I'm going to work in, I don't know, Baltimore, but I'm going to live like outside of Baltimore where I'm not living where I work. You work where you live and you live where you work. So now you know your You know the people. You're taking care of your neighbors. Oh, that's phenomenal. And you're also like going house calls, not like, you know, you're coming to my office. No, you're going, not every single appointment, but you're going to the home to see what is, what are some of the other household things that are going on here that are impeding or affecting this person's health and wellness journey um, or ultimately affecting their healing journey. And that sheds a whole bunch of light because for the most of us, for most of us, maybe in midwifery, maybe doulas, they go to the homes that they're seeing something, but the average physician never sees what the inside of their patient's home looks like. And even the ones who do concierge medicine, you're still not going to the home. You're, you know, rewarding them for, you know, coming to your appointments and things of that nature, but you're not necessarily seeing their home environment. And without seeing someone's home environment, Yes, they're coming to you by themselves. You see them one-on-one. But then when you go into their home, you see, oh my goodness, there's you know six cats here, two dogs. There's a two-bedroom apartment and there's six people living here, but there's only two bedrooms. Um, so what's mm-hmm. really going on? Yeah. Um, there's two smokers, You know, a lot of other different things. And so there's some dynamics that, yes, you can give them all the coaching and the counsel that you, you can possibly give. And it can be awesome. But if there's no way to execute that once they go back to a home that no one is supporting their choices um, for health and wellness, then it's going to be challenging. So you really have to address that as well. And there's no way to necessarily know that if you're just seeing someone for, you know, in the conventional medicine system, maybe 15 to 18 minutes, you can't even get to what's going yeah, on at yeah, home. Can't. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible. So just being able to, again, see how whole person universal healthcare works. It was like, this is what I, this is more what I thought. This is more aligned with who I am Okay, because it's actually service. It's ding, not. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. There we yeah. go. Yeah. So that you said six years and two years. So that was eight years. Yes. Outside of America, yeah. outside of our health system. Yeah. So what brought you back to the United States and what did you do 
y'all listen to this. What did you do once you got back? Um, my nephew is what brought me back. He oh. said, Lala, are you ever coming back home? And at that time, my nephew was probably about four and it broke my heart. Um, because at that time he was seeing me, you know, when I would come home for, you know, Christmas sometimes, or when I'm come home randomly for a break, I would come home in summer, but I would only be home for like, you know, a week and maybe two weeks at the longest, maybe a month. Um, mm. And he was just like, and my mom kept saying, he asks for you almost every single day. And he wonders why you left. Because again, oh. my nephew and I, we were like, he was my homie when we, he was my homie. I mean, yeah. the moment he was born, uh, we were just peeps in a pod. And my brother was like, you, you just like completely took over. And I was like, yeah, he's mine now. <laughs> he's mine now. And we did everything together. Um, oh. And then it was like, and I never really thought about that. And I, again, I thought, okay, he's little, he's not going to even really know he's not going to miss me. And my mom is like, you literally upended his life because you guys did literally everything together. And he thought I was kind of be like, oh, she's gone for the weekend. And then I was gone for months at a time. And finally it got to me and you know, too much. And he's like, are you ever coming back home? And it broke my heart. And I was like, okay. And my mom was like, get it together and f- figure it out. And I was like, but I love what I'm doing. I love how I'm doing it. And she was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's time. And so I was like, yep, it's time when your nephew and your mom were like letting you know to make yeah. some decisions. Yeah. And get get your hard parts back here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the G version. Um, <laughs> and so when I got back, I was like, I loved how I was practicing medicine. I loved what I was doing. It was fulfilling. It was like really feeding my soul, my spirit, yeah. um, because I knew I was doing good work. And so when I got back to the U.S., it was like, okay, I'm going to try to fit this, what, what do they say, square into this circle or circle into this square peg or what, square peg in this circle hole. Vice versa, yeah. yeah. It don't fit. Okay. And it just don't work. <laughs> yeah. It, whatever it is, it doesn't work. Right. And But I was like, but I can do it. You know, SMI's chest, I can just, I'll figure it out. All I got to do is like rework some things. And once they realize how I'm really practicing and they're going to, they're going to just jump on board and yeah. do all the things. Like, don't yeah. get it. So yes. And <laughs> now it was like, you're spending too much time with patients, you know, like all the things that I had yeah. grown accustomed to, to doing and asking questions. They're like, you're spending too much time with patients, number one. You know, I had, I don't know, got written up multiple times, too many times to be counting. And I just was like, I can't do the thing that you want me to do in the time that you want me to do it when I know there's another way. I can't go back to doing it that way. Right. I just can. And so that was more of an issue, not because, again, it wasn't what or how what I was doing, but it was the how. Right. And I was like, okay, I can't really do this. And so I knew I had to make a shift, but I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? I'll just, you know, try to keep working in this system that's not working for me, thinking that things will eventually change or someone will make a shift or someone will recognize. And it never happened. Um, And so during this time, I got an opportunity to work for the government. I was a women's health consultant to the Surgeon General. And that was a wonderful uh, uh, job. Of the yeah. United States, y'all. Not the Surgeon General of like Baltimore <laughs> County. Of the United States. Go ahead. Yes. And it was, I had to say, as close to a dream job as you would think of because I was able to see like one, how the sausage was made, but actually able to affect real change, change. in how that sausage was made. Right. Um, and just being able to interface with so many people who were involved with women's health across the country, across the world was just amazing. And so 
everything again was going along swimmingly, alignment, check, love my job, check, paid well, check. And then the administration changed, uncheck, uncheck, uncheck. <laughs> um, my job got to be to the point that like, I can't sustain this. And I knew that wasn't going to be sustainable for any long-term period. And to the point I was like, this is potentially could be dangerous. Um, oh. So I was like, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. And so I was like, you know how to t- take care of patients. That's what you know how to do. Exactly. I was thinking about running yeah. a nonprofit. I was thinking about, oh, maybe I'll go get my MBA. But I'm, my mom had threatened me. She's like, go to school one more time and see what happens. Go to school for <laughs> something else. Go to school one more time to see what happens. And I'm like, I'm grown. Um, I got this. But, um, you know, when, you know, your mom tells you to do something like, and I'm like, that wasn't an idle threat. I feel like there was something coming after that. So I was like, well, maybe I need oh to listen to that on pause for a second. Okay, um, wait, hold on. Let's just shout yeah. out your mama. You good and grown <laughs> and she still can put you in your place. Like, a for real. Like, just like that. Just <laughs> like that. Shout out and to the mamas. Go ahead. Yes, yes. Long distance, growing and everything. <laughs> um, because I do respect her. You know, she's been a supporter mm-hmm. of me for everything I've done. Yep, yep. She has wisdom far beyond my years. And again, she she can see, you know, I'm a go-getter. I'm that A-type yeah. personality. Yeah. Sometimes I don't see the dangers that lie ahead. And she's like, it's a recipe for disaster. And I don't always receive it initially as it's dispensed, as given. But my mom is usually right on. So. With that um, kind of ominous kind of threat, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just stick with what I know. And so I was like, I know how to take care of people. And so that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to open up my own firm and go from there. Now, I had no business experience. I had no experience with all the other stuff, but I knew I knew how to take care of. So I was like, we're going to start there. But I have to say, fast forward five years, it was the best decision that I've ever made for myself personally and professionally. And now we have. Wait, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Yes, Before you get into your wonderful center, <laughs> your firm. Yes. So that is what holds people back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I know how to take care of patients. I know how to do a C-section. What I don't know is dot, 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 dot. And because I don't know, that's going to affect my money. And mm-hmm. a lot of people stay where they are because... They need the security of a check, a dependable check coming in once a month, every two weeks. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to. Tr- skip- and trust me, I needed those things too. I mean, well, trust me. That I was know not- you did. I know you yeah. did. The so that, that's trust what I'm me. saying. I know you did. So <laughs> yes. tell us how, how did you say, okay, I need this check. I don't know how to run a business, but I'm going to do it. Anyway, like just give us a peek Ooh. into what was going on in your brain that allowed you to take that step forward. Well, one of the things I know is I'm a visual learner. So if I, I have to write everything down and I'm talking like you should see my office, my home, sticky notes are everywhere because I have to write everything down. If I write it down, I can see it. I connect to it. I can remember where I put it, you know, all those things. So in terms of running a business or a practice or a firm, that's called a business plan. So my thing is you need to write this down <laughs> and write all these like, you know, I write and all these things that you've jot, you know, written down and jotted down on all these sticky notes, start putting them into a business plan. And I realized when I went around asking, you know, all my friends, things, you know, people, they're like, I don't have a business plan. I'm like, how did you get started? 
And again, I was like, I can't operate that way. That's not going to work for me. So I put all of my ideas into a business plan. And I had a couple of people read it, a couple you know, banks reviewed it. And so for me to be able to see it, my thing is, okay, I can see this. And people had reviewed it. Some of them were like, that's never going to work. And I'm like, but you know what? The vision wasn't given to you. It was given to me. So respectfully, I'm going to decline that yeah, advice. We'll keep it moving. Um, and, and just and move on because there were certain things that I knew that if I'm going to do this, this has to be a part of it because that's not a ref- it's, uh, otherwise it won't be a reflection of me. Right. And so once I had the business plan and I could see it and I could review it and I could touch it and I can go back to it, I can refer to it. It was then like, okay, doing the basics of finding a place and doing all those things. And one thing I realized, like, wow, yeah, you, I mean, I knew I was going to take a hit salary wise. That wasn't even a thing. Um, when I you know finally got close enough and, you know, knew, told people that I was, you know, getting ready to open up my own firm. It was, you'll be back in, you know, in three years, you'll be back before the end of three years. And it wasn't just one person, like all my colleagues were like sending me the same message. And I'm thinking for no other reason, I'm a Taurus. So for no other reason, if for no other reason besides (laughs) I'm stubborn, (laughs) what I won't be doing is coming back. It's coming back. They just pour gasoline on your fire. On a fire. Yeah. And and I don't want to say doing it out of spite, but my thing is what I'm not doing is coming back here because that mm. means it'll be failure. And that's not necessarily the motivation just to not fail. Because again, there was so many times between then and now that it was like epic level failure. You know, just thinking that I could do more than what I could do by myself. Um, and that's kind of, I knew there was going to be a team, but I realized I needed help way sooner than I thought I was going to need. Yeah. Um, and just really realizing, like, I was spending, like, spent a whole bunch of money before the even the doors even opened. And I'm thinking, what? Like, if you build it, they'll come. Isn't that what they say? So I was like, I built it. <laughs> it's gonna, like, op- when I open the doors, they're just going to flood in. And that's not how it was. And it During wasn't like uh it wasn't like Black Friday. You just oh no, doors. it was <laughs> not. Trample just, just trample, trample people coming in. I <laughs> wish that was the case, but it wasn't. Okay, it wasn't at all. It was you open the doors and there were crickets. I was like, is the sign open? Are the lights on? Do people know we're here. That kind of thing. And it was. I don't want to say it was disappointing, but I was semi scared that I had made the wrong decision because I'm like, I know this is what I was meant to do. I know this was how I was meant to practice. And I know I prayed about this enough that I got, you know, the okay. And I got, you know, go forth, you know, prosper, that kind of thing. I got that messaging. I know I didn't miss here, but I didn't think it was going to look like this. And it was a good six months before things started like literally picking up. And there were some dark days in that first six months because I was, I was like, okay, the money is running out. And I had established a lifestyle to which I was accustomed and I wanted mm-hmm. to maintain that. Yes. Um, and so there were some, I was like, okay, you're going to have to start eliminating some stuff because you cannot maintain this period. Let's just, and at the time I wasn't married. So it was me and only me. And so it was between me and my dog. That's the only person I had to take care of. And, you know, I got up and went whenever I wanted. I traveled whenever I wanted. I, you know, when I went away, I bought, like, I was wow. like, you know, that kind of thing. Wow. And it was like, okay, this isn't going to work accordingly. You know, you had savings, all those things, but it was still a matter of, it was a humbling experience. It was humbling 
in a good way. Like one, don't have to have all of these things and still feel good about yourself, still do good oh. work. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. And it was it was a combination of things. There were so many lessons in that six months. There were nights that it was like, okay, have I made a mistake? And if I had now, what am I going to do? Can I go back? Should I go back? Maybe I'll do something part-time or just to make ends meet. And my things, but that wasn't part of the messaging. That wasn't part of the business plan. That wasn't part of what you heard. So are you going to be disobedient or are you going to keep doing uh, what you know to be done uh, and listen? Yes. Well, okay. Hold on one second. You said that's not a part of what you heard. Mm-hmm. Who's talking to you? Who who's giving Jesus. you these instructions? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit is giving you these instructions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that yes. that's key. That that this was not you just kind of willy-nilly coming up with some stuff. This was your assignment. Yeah. I mean, I even talked to my parents about it and my dad couldn't quite understand. He's like, You're gonna give up a good job and they're paying you and you like what you're doing and they're paying you and <laughs> XYZ and they're paying you and they're paying you and you <laughs> and they're paying you and you're not and you're gonna do what? Like that was his sticking point. Like what are you doing? Like oh, and again from their frame of reference, my dad worked at one job, same company, pretty much until he retired. And my thing is there's no way that's going that, that would never be me. Like I that's just not the the mindset I had for myself, even now, like there's always something we're, you know, doing different in this firm and I'm still doing other things, whether it's from speaking engagements to courses or whatever right, it is, right. like it's doing, it's still work, but it's not, I can't just stay here doing the same thing the same way for, you know, I don't know, 40 years, but that's just, that was wild wow. to me. Wow. Like I can't even think about like doing that. And so that was his frame of reference. Like you get a job that pays you well, provides for your family. And you stay there. Like, why? Where do you? What are you doing? Looking for some other opportunity? What is? What is that about? My mom oh, had gosh. a different frame of reference, and that she understood that I wasn't. That wasn't going to be me. But she also couldn't understand. Like, well, what are you going to do for money? Like, what are you going to do for this? Like, what are you going to do for like you know all those different what ifs? And those are all the what ifs that I had already thought about thought multiple yeah. times, <laughs> and then some. Right. Um, because when right. you come home and, you know, you're coming home for me, at least I was coming home. And as much as I love my dog, like he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a job. Um, <laughs> so there was no other income coming into our household. Um, and so funny. there were some nights where it was it was sad. And I mean, sad. I'm talking tears, sad. And I was it was scared and I was confused and I was angry and I was disappointed, like all the emotions that you can possibly think of. But yet when I would go to work, I was still happy. Like that was the difference. I was like, mm. it wasn't, it wasn't drudgery going to work. And I, I want to replace happy with joy. Like I loved going to work. And this was before my, you know, the week, the book was full. It was, I still loved going to work. Cause even if there was only one person I was seeing the whole entire day, like they got every single ounce of me. Oh. And I was so like, I was loving Ooh. it. I was loving it. And I never felt that way how I was practicing before. Never. Maybe when I was like, you know, very, very, very new before, you know, you get downtrodden by the system. But <laughs> um, but no, I I just, I love going to work. I mean, every single day. And then as our team grew and we were able to, you know, grow and expand and change locations and do all the things from the now to then, it never changed. Like I still love going to work wow. and I still love going to work. I love who I'm working with. Mm. Um, I love how we're working. And 
it was just that six month that was like, it's, I, again, the humbling aspect of it and just holding on to, okay, but you know, this is where you're supposed to be. Keep going. And it was a build it and they'll come. They'll just come later than you anticipate. Anticipate. <laughs> <laughs> Come a little bit slower. Yes, than you thought. But then, because there was some work that I had to do, and I realized if they had just flooded the doors on day one, there was a lot of lessons. Yeah, one, you're right. I wouldn't have been ready because there weren't systems in place that needed to have been in place. There weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, standard Mm -hmm. operating procedures that needed to be in place. Again, I did not know how to run a firm. I did not know how to didn't know how to run a practice, and there were people who needed to be in place so that we would been be ready when those blessings did come. And so those were the things that I was doing in those first six months, preparing for that bounty. But again, when you're in it, you don't really see it until you're yeah. like, oh, hindsight, that's what. And until I got that lesson and it was able to hold on to that, that I was being prepared for something, wow. I would have been completely you know, messed up should it have been the way I thought it was going to be. Right. I probably would have been out of business by right. now because I would have, it would have been just no infrastructure. Yep. Yep. God is in control. We thank him for that. And look, you could have given up like you really could have closed the doors and given up and you didn't. So yeah. uh, kudos to you. So what year was that that you started it? Uh, 2018, 20, 2017 and 2018. It was kind of like the end of 2017 into 2018. OK. And so we now have a thriving center. Uh, tell us tell us about what you created and what services you provide. Well, we have grown. And so when we first started, it was the only people I, I was, again, OB-GYN, um, but I really wanted to focus on complex women's health challenges, the uterine fibroids, the endometriosis, the PCOS, infertility challenges or fertility challenges, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, menstrual dysfunction, menopausal symptoms, and those things that, like, again, we don't really have good ways to uh, treat or address in conventional right. medicine. And as an acupuncturist and an herbalist, and I think I omitted where that all happened, but that happened when I came back to the U.S. I was like, I got to hone my skills if I'm going to have this uh, integrative approach. So I went to acupuncture school um, and during that time. But you um, did get a little bit more education. Yes, a <laughs> more education, an undercover education. Yes, yes. it was an MBA. Mm-hmm. It was a gap about you know formalizing my training. So things that I knew, but I could actually put the theory behind it um, and then be able to put that theory into practice. So acupuncture school. And then again, I knew I could you know do those aspects. So the integrative approach was already in me as a provider and a practitioner. But then I'm, there were other things that I'm like, I can do, but I want to be able to like stay in my lane and be able to do these things to the right. best of my ability. Right. I want to be the subject matter expert, but I know I can't do this by myself. And so I knew I wanted um, a vaginal steam facilitator. I had been vaginal steaming again since I started menstruating. It was a part of like our women's circles, you know, part of Yucca Rite of Passage when we became women or got that first menstruation. So I was like, okay, vaginal steaming. And at that time, wow. vaginal steaming was like a luxury item. I'm like, we were doing that like, in my mom's kitchen, <laughs> like, what are they, what are they talking about? And I was like, maybe it's something different. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we've been doing that. Like, what oh are they talking gosh. about? And so I wanted to bring a, I guess, more homegrown, holistic approach to vaginal steaming that it's not just for these boutique LA 
you know, by coastal times. No, you can do this in your home. And it has, it's not just for, you know, luxury purposes. No, it's for healing purposes. Like, right. Purpose. Right. And again, knowing the herbs and knowing you know, the length of time and what herbs treat certain conditions, that kind of thing. And so uh, April Cohen is, she's our vaginal steam facilitator. And so she was one of the first people that joined our team. I knew I wanted a health and wellness coach. And that's, you know, I met Goss and, and we had, you know, gone to, I'd worked with her before. And so it started off with people that I knew um, that did the things that I wanted and I knew I could work with or we shared, you know, our faith, our focus, things of that nature. And so I really wanted people who aligned with me in yeah. multiple ways. Not in all ways, but aligned in me with like the ways that were core to my identity and my my own being professionally and personally, so that when we come and you know share a space, especially a health and wellness space, that we're you know we're walking together, and that they still have different ideas to bring to the table. And so then it started to just kind of blossom: a pelvic floor physical therapist, Reiki practitioners, a doula, a lactation consultant, um, a postpartum doula. Um, um, aromatherapy and foot soaks, a yoga therapist, dance movement therapy, Thai yoga body work. Um, just like just so many. If you go to the website, Amazing. you'll see everyone. I know. Yeah. yeah. But you I have a, a huge team too. How many people are working with you now? Right now, 15, I believe. Yeah. 15. Um wow. And again, it was because I wanted I wanted our team to be indicative of what healthcare could be what it should be, and that it's possible, and that you don't necessarily, and again, it's not an either or, and I think you mentioned this earlier on, it's not conventional medicine or traditional medicine. It's not one against the other. It's the synergy of the two together, because Mm -hmm. we honestly, we can't have one without the other. There's certain things that traditional medicine does way better than conventional, and there are things that conventional medicine does way better. Like, I don't want my acupuncturist, you know, setting my bones straight after I break it. What I do on my acupuncturist to do <laughs> is treat it after they set the bone, after the cast comes off, so that thing heals stronger than it ever was even beforehand. Before, wow. Um, wow. So those are things, like that's one of the examples that I use. And even if you, like, for instance, even if you've had a myomectomy or you've had you know, a surgery to review, you know, take out fibroids, okay, now's the time that we can start making these lifestyle changes so they don't come back, so that you don't ever have to deal with fibroids again. Okay. This is where the marriage comes in, the synergy yeah. comes in. We've got a problem, y'all. There is too much to do and not enough time. Your personal life takes a back seat to a profession that you have spent decades training for. Your calling seems to be burdensome in a system that does not prioritize your well-being. You do not have to live this way. When you take care of patients, who takes care of you? I'm Dr. V, a burnout consultant. And you need me as your personal coach. I take care of the healthcare provider that takes care of everybody else. Go to officevisitswithdrv.com and click on the coaching tab. Schedule a free discovery interview so I can learn more about the life that you need to be fulfilled. All right. So we're close to the end of the episode. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and you guys, she's going to tell us where you can go to, to read all about her center, the Evdemonia Center. Yes, ma'am. In Maryland. Uh-huh. Okay. So just real quick, just a real right. snippet for my yeah. listeners. This is kind of a detour off the burnout. Okay. Because patients have asked me this, like, do I have to have surgery? Are they going to come back? Real quick, just give us maybe 
you know, one or two things that they can do to help keep the fibroids from coming back. Whether you have fibroids now or you've had surgical intervention to remove them, the three top things are going to be your diet, your exercise, and really honing in on, and I won't even say exercise, but movement, but really honing on your energy and your emotional health. Um, Mm. For the diet, a lot of things we put in our bodies are endocrine disruptors or estrogen builders or things that are going to synergically build more estrogen in the body. And fibroids and endometriosis are estrogen dependent. So again, mm-hmm. as you're, you know, get off birth control. That's another thing mm. you can do. Again, another endocrine disruptor. In terms of movement, do things according to, look at your blood type. Think, look at how your body and what your body needs in terms of movement. Some people need that, you know, high intensity interval training. Some people need the restorative nature of a yoga. And then looking at again, how to maintain that. And this is when you have conditions, this isn't something that you're going to take a pill and just be good. No, this is a lifestyle shift. So really trying to make modifications on a day-to-day basis that are going to help you move toward that goal. And I always say acupuncture. Acupuncture has been one of the best things for me. And so many people don't even know an acupuncturist or they're not even familiar with what acupuncture can do, but it's about that energy healing. It's about that movement of emotions and being able to process emotions more thoroughly. And again, we use that adjacent and synergistically with our mental health therapy and, you know, therapy as well, because it's, again, it's synergy and it all works together. As you are talking, like the whole time, I'm like, I'm in the presence of greatness. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) I'm in the presence of greatness. Like what would have happened this is a rhetorical question, but what would have happened if you would have stayed where you were? Like, I'd be on a mental break. I would be, I'll tell you where I'll be on a mental leave somewhere, taking a 12 week leave of absence because I could, I would have had a breakdown. It, I'll you, tell you. You would have had a breakdown. But what about oh, yeah. all the people that are benefiting from your center, from the modalities that you use to treat? Like, I mean, honest, all the stuff you're talking about, like my patients have all asked me and I've like done my little up to date or, you know, my uh-huh. journal right. article search and I can't find anything. And because I'm it's just, not supported by conventional medicine. Exactly. And they're yeah. not going to study it. And so, no. you know, what I want to take away from this and, and y'all, anytime I bring somebody up my podcast, I learn from them as well. And A is you got a vision, you got an assignment and you stuck to it no matter what, right? no matter what. And B, there is some value. <laughs> there is some value that you provide, that you provide yes. and you knew it, you knew yeah. it. So you, you've really just kind of piqued my interest. And if you're doing that for me, I know my listeners are like, well, where can I find her? <laughs> How do we get to her? And, and, and can I make an appointment? And it, does she take televisits and all of this stuff? So Please, please, please tell us how um, if if listeners want to to get in touch with you in the future or learn from you in the future, how do they do that? One, continue listening to our podcast, which is Women's Health Wisdom and Wine. Dr. Renato has blessed us and she's been on her second episode. Part two was to drop today. Um, you can catch part one uh, last Wednesday. So the podcast is for people who, you know, just can't get to, you know, the DMV area. Um we're opening up our second office in Arlington. So even if you can't get to the DMV, you can know that there are options out there. Um, we connect people no matter where you are, what zip code, even if you can't get here. 
Um, you can go to our website, which is www.larinawhite.com. You can, you know, listen to us, you know, pretty much anywhere um, you are podcast wise. Um, we're on Instagram at the Ethimonia Center, Facebook, the Ethimonia Center. Find me on LinkedIn, just my first and last name. So all the different places. Um, oh, wait I, think a I think those are all the places that you can find us. <laughs> okay. So y'all, she had to explain to me before we start. I'm like, how do you say this? Because it mm-hmm. doesn't, it, it's not spelled how you say it. Right. So, so spell it for us real quick and tell them what um, Ethimonia means. Okay. Ethimonia is E U D A I M O. O-N-I-A, and ebdaemonia is a Greek word, and it means human flourishing. And when I opened our firm, I wanted something, you know, something that meant something to me. And I wanted that it was representative, indicative of what was going to happen once the moment you crossed our threshold. Um, When you step into our firm, step into our practice, step into a treatment room, you're not going to go out the same way you came back in. And as long as we can have, you know, signs of flourishing and moving toward your health and wellness goals, that's our goal. And every time we want there to be a healing experience, every time you, you know, come in contact with anyone on our team. So Ebdemonia means human flourishing because that's the goal and the objective every time we come in contact with our firm. So normally I tell people to kind of, is there something, the last little thing you want to say, but I would just end it right there. We, we're meant to flourish. Yes. We are not yes. supposed to be dying on the vine. We are meant to flourish. So Indeed. you all, her podcast is phenomenal. Like all of these little nuggets and jewels and the spirit and the energy behind it. I, I feel, I feel it comes from a truly authentic place and, and spirit feel like there's something special about the, the therapy. Um, and just looking at your website. I just blew my mind. So Thank you all, yeah. all of this information, because I know y'all didn't write down the spelling of <laughs> and the money. Uh, but uh, this will all be in the show notes and we will have the appropriate links. And I encourage you to um, go check her out and um, just get more knowledge. But, you know, let's not let's not forget, you know, we're here for burnout. So she went from from burned out to flourishing. Yes. And and thank you so much for sharing your story and letting us see what's possible. Letting us see yes. what's possible. We don't have to stay stuck. We don't yes. have to stay stuck. So I'm thank gonna you, wrap Renata, it up. for the invitation. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you so much. And you all, we will see you next time on Office Visits with Dr. V. Thanks for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. I would love to stay connected. So please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V and on LinkedIn at Benita Vernado, MD. Share this information with your friends and colleagues. Like and subscribe, you know the drill. Also, go to Office Visits with drv.com backslash connect and leave your email to receive updates on everything that Dr. V is doing to introduce you to your new life.